Hello, this is Brian Croft. I'm the senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm also the founder of Practical Shepherding. A few years ago, I started a blog about the daily work of a pastor, and that blog has grown into the various ministries of Practical Shepherding. We want to come alongside pastors who are laboring in the trenches of pastoral ministry to encourage and to equip them. And that's why we started this podcast, Trench Talk. So we hope this podcast encourages you and your church as we continue our conversation about the pastor's work. To find out more about Practical Shepherding, visit our website at practicalshepherding.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This is Josh Scher with Brian Croft of Practical Shepherding Ministries, and we're both uh, pastors at Auburn Hill Baptist Church. And today we're going to have uh, what is a fairly weighty conversation, but an all-too-common one. Uh, we're going to talk today about miscarriage and what that experience is like for a couple who goes through miscarriage, and especially how we as pastors can care for those who are experiencing a miscarriage. So I want to start, Brian, by uh, just asking you to tell us your own experience with miscarriage and what that was like for you and your wife to go through. So we have four children, and uh, between our first and our second, my wife miscarried. And uh, so we're talking a good 15 years ago now. And uh, as I look back on that, we were, I mean, we were young and... Uh, I certainly was not did not have a, uh, a an awareness of a good of the way I needed to care for my wife well, and so uh, she miscarried, and um, I I think I made a lot of mistakes in trying to sort through what happened and trying to uh, care for my wife well. And as we look back on it, she would tell you I, I just I failed pretty miserably at knowing how to care for her well. But God, in his kindness, used that to teach me on this issue uh, in a way I needed to be taught. And in his providence, has we've had many miscarriages through the years in our, in our church alone, as well as friends. And God has really equipped me. Uh, <clears throat> he's used my wife in amazing ways um, to care for those who have miscarried. A miscarriage is something that is very unique to the human experience, if you haven't had that happen, it is, it's one of, there's one of those many things in life where if you haven't had it happen to you, it's very hard to relate to it. The problem is many times miscarriages don't, especially if they happen early on, they don't seem like a very big deal to people who haven't experienced them and don't know exactly what happens. But there's a lot that happens even a woman who miscarries in six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks early in a pregnancy, uh, that is that is deeply affecting to her and to to uh, a family like that. So I learned a lot about that. That's, that's why this is a good topic for us to talk about. Every pastor, this is another thing every pastor will deal with, and m- most of us are not taught well on how to deal with. It's a very unique situation and a great opportunity to be able to minister to folks if you're thinking through it well on how to do it. Yeah. So and that's kind of where I want to move next in this conversation is just to talk about what the experience of a miscarriage is like. What are all the dynamics that are at play in that? So, uh, you know, just kind of to lead into this, we, uh, you know, it's uh, early January as we're recording this. And uh, over the, the month of December, we've preached through Matthew chapter one and two uh, around, you know, theming around Christmas and the coming of Jesus, the birth of 
of Jesus. And in the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew tells us about the loss and the murder of all the children in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. And there's a, there's a really just heartbreaking uh, verse in Matthew 2 where Matthew quotes um, Jeremiah, and he said, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Now, obviously, this text is, is talking about a unique event in history. It's not exactly talking about miscarriage, but it speaks to the deep grief that mothers in particular can experience with the loss of their children. So would you just talk through and help us understand, like, what are the dynamics of that grieving process and that loss? I mean, you've got emotional dynamics, physical dynamics, spiritual, relational. Just talk through some of those elements. Yeah. Well, what's what people misunderstand about a miscarriage is because a baby was not actually born and people got to see this baby and then uh, you know, and then the baby would die, which which is obviously a very tragic thing. People think a miscarriage is a much lesser deal, but uh, there is, but it, the grieving process and the feeling of deep loss is very similar, and that's what a lot of people just don't understand about uh, a miscarriage. So you have, um, well, you have the natural anticipation of a couple preparing to have a baby, expecting to have a baby. You have a woman who's experiencing the physical symptoms of being pregnant. And certainly a baby that is able to grow into further term, you have a a woman that is experiencing that baby move and you see a heartbeat on the monitor and and ultrasounds and you you begin to experience that baby long before it's actually born. You have the emotional connection that's already being made both with with the the woman and the the man in regard to that. So there's there's all kinds of dynamics just within the the couple who's going through it. But then you have... Um, the dynamics outside of that, you have family members, and every family member has a different response to this. You have a, a church family who's trying to care for folks, but maybe doesn't understand uh, the significance of you know of what is happening. So, when a baby miscarriages, uh, when, you, when you lose a baby, and again, it, it's different. I mean, if you if you miscarry further in, you may have to actually deliver a few, the baby uh, versus a or have a procedure usually called a DNC, that where you have to uh, surgically be uh, help have everything removed. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that are very un- unpleasant to go through in the process of losing a baby. Most people don't, don't lose it. They have to go through a procedure like that. Remember, when a woman is pregnant and the body is getting ready to have a baby, all of a sudden the baby is gone, then you have, <clears throat> you have hormonal uh, issues going on with, with the physical in, the, in that woman. And those affect emotional uh, things with the woman. And so there's, it gets very complicated when a couple is trying to grieve over that loss. And then you have uh, our family members, and then you have the church family, and then friends, people around. And everybody seems to have a different understanding and opinion of how serious or not this is. And so one, a very unhelpful way to try to care for somebody who's lost a baby is to try to diminish the significance of it. And that's what a lot of people try to do. And And I think it's helpful to recognize in what you said towards the beginning there is that what has really happened is this is the death of their baby. This is the death of a child. 
you know, this obviously in our country, there's a very big movement with pro-life issues and certainly a lot of talk about it in a political season and things. But this is where your political views and your, your, most of all, your theological views on when life begins, really the rubber meets the road in that um, if you believe that life begins at conception, which we certainly do, then you have a baby that is there it's, and it's growing in the womb and, and there's already connection being made with those parents and, and everything in, you know, involved with that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a significant thing happening when a baby's lost regardless on how far. And a lot of times, especially if it's early on, many people don't understand how significant that is. And the grieving process that a, that a, a mother and father have to go through is very much like just losing a child in a similar way when you read Matthew 2. That's the connection here, even though, you know, miscarriages, children aren't, haven't been born yet. Can you talk a little bit about how to help somebody through the grieving process, but particularly for miscarriage? Because some, you know, I've known couples that go through this and people grieve in different ways. So I think it's helpful to acknowledge that. And it's also, there, there's the challenge for sometimes for husbands that I've known and fathers mm-hmm. to connect in a way that the mother has connected with the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so just talk through like some of the different dynamics of just helping somebody grieve, acknowledging there's different ways people grieve and acknowledging that some people, so fathers can sometimes feel more challenged connecting with what's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think these are the, here's a couple of really significant lessons that God taught me in my massive failure in caring for my wife when we went through this. The first is to do, is to acknowledge the significance of what's happened. And so one of the best ways to care for a mom who's just lost her baby in her probably being surrounded by a lot of people who don't get this is really significant is to sit down and to look them in the eye and and, and just share genuine sorrow and grief with them. Say, this is I'm so sorry you've lost this baby. This is a big deal. Just acknowledging that to someone who's who's being tempted to be to think this is not a big deal because of the voices around her. That's a huge thing to to help a mom. Husbands because they don't have that physical connection with it. Uh, with the the situation and with that that baby, husbands a lot of times are detached um, from the grieving process, and so another way to care for this couple is to help a husband realize two things: one, he needs to um, uh, he needs to emotionally connect to this loss, and there's a way there's ways to do that, but it's a matter of acknowledging that this is, a, this is just a significant loss for him. And this is just as big a deal for him, not just the mom. A lot of husbands and men will try to separate that. A lot of times because men just aren't comfortable dealing with their emotions in those ways. Which leads to the second thing, and this is so important for a husband to care well for his wife in this moment, is for the husband to grieve with his wife. That's the place I failed so terribly with my own wife is I thought I was serving her by being strong in the midst of this and not showing this rattled me. And that was the exact opposite of what I should have done and what she needed. She needed me to be able to grieve with her. She needed to see I was sad too. She needed to see, and that's one of the things I began to learn about marriage in general is that my wife doesn't want me to fix everything. She just wants to kind of suffer with me. And she wants to be in it with me, not necessarily that I try to fix it. And that's that's a huge component in marriage, and it really shows up in this particular struggle. If you can be a husband that acknowledges the significance of the loss 
and you can grieve and show sorrow and loss with your wife, that is a wonderful way to care for your wife when she miscarries. And so as a pastor, that's the two things. I, I sit down with a couple, I mean, because it's happened so much here at our church through the years. I will sit down and and share the significance with the wife on what's happened, or, you know, acknowledge that significance so she can hear that from somebody. And then, and the same with the husband. And then I pull the husband aside without the wife. And I say, look, you're going to be tempted to do this and try to be strong and be disconnected from this for her. That's the opposite of what you need to get in this with her. And she needs to know you're sorrowful with her. And that, uh, I can't, I can't think of the amount of times I've had that conversations with husbands and uh, so I'm, it, it's felt redemptive in a way that God used my my utter failure really to care for my wife to help me care for help other husbands care for their wives. So um, you've given us a couple of dynamics of the conversation, those two things that you would do with somebody to help them through the grieving process. But let's say you've just found out that somebody's gone through a miscarriage. You get a phone call, or you see somebody you're going to visit somebody, or you see them at church. What specifically are you going, how are you begin that conversation? Like, like, what do you say to somebody who's going through that? Mm-hmm. What, what are some of those specific things that you want to say or questions you want to ask to draw them out? <clears throat> it's a great question, and, it, and it's one that um, falls in line with just a general pattern of how do you care for grieving, any grieving people over any loss? And that is, you don't go with a bunch of words. You know, you don't go just... I don't believe it's good to just go and shoot a bunch of passages at them. Uh, you go and uh, you just look them in the eye and you tell them you're sorry that, uh, for their loss. And be there with them and be present with them and, and hug them and weep with them. I think these this, these are the situations where we're told to, to weep with those who weep. And that's how we care well for others. There will be those times to speak those edifying words of God's word and promises in the midst of that. But we just we jump so quickly to that, and we we hyper spiritualize it instead of dealing with well. A lot of times when we do that is because we don't we don't have the emotional capacity or maturity to just know how to go and weep with somebody when they've lost someone, and that's the best thing to do, I think. And that's what I that's something that I have done even in recent days with couples that have miscarried. I just I just go and grieve with them. And just being present with people and listening and just asking how they're doing, uh, whether it's a miscarriage or whether they just suddenly lost their mother or whether whatever it is, or, or they lost a you know they lost a living child, you know, a child that had been born already at, at some age. That is a good way to approach grieving, helping people. So specifically, this applies to other areas of grieving too, but specifically with a miscarriage or the loss of a child. At some point in your pastoral care for them, and it may not be right away; it may be a month or two down the line. How do you how do you help somebody pastorally find their hope in God, keep their faith in God? How do you encourage somebody pastorally in that comforting uh, and encouragement process? Because with the loss of a child in particular, like there's just you have questions of why why does this happen? Why would the Lord let this happen to my child? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you help somebody think through that in biblical ways to find their hope in God? Mm-hmm. Well, I think before I answer that, I want to I'll add this to the conversation, and that's just something my father did for us, who's who's a doc, and he in in encouraging us to grieve over the loss, which I needed somebody to tell me to do. He explained that 
the way we can do that is to talk about the child and talk about who the child would have looked like and who the child would have acted like. And, and see, that sounds strange because you, you, your child hasn't been born. That's what's unique about a miscarriage versus losing a loved one who you've known for years and years. But there is a significance in just the grieving process to, to talk about this child. And, um, and that can be a, a, an important way for uh, both the husband and wife to connect on the loss as well as to just, you know, to grieve on their own. As far as the, you know, trying to minister to them, trying to find that hope, you know, again, I, I, I want to make sure, I want to preface this again by when you, when you start offering things, words to them, it needs to come after you have sat with them in the grief. But there is a time to come where you're able to speak hope to them. You're able to remind them of the truth of God's word and the hope of the gospel. Um, you know, I, I feel theologically, biblically, I believe that, that, uh, children, that die in um, in the womb and, and babies, I believe that uh, that they go to heaven. I hold that that position, um, and this isn't a podcast to get into all that, but I think there's biblical merit for that, and it's also pretty uh, historically true, even in, in reform circles of a Spurgeon and with others. Um, but I think there, I think there's a because of that, I think there's a way to find comfort there um, that that this. The other, another way to see this is when you can't understand, you know, why did God take this baby, um, is that we also don't know what what this baby was going to be like. We don't know what was going to happen to this baby. Um, we, you know, a miscarriage, again, when you get down to the, the, the nuts and bolts of it all, a miscarriage is from a, just from a, a humanistic standpoint, is the body rejecting the fetus that's in the womb. Uh, we don't know why, but something's not right. And the body um, is not able to uh, continue to allow that baby to grow there. And that baby is, and that's a lot of times why the baby will, you know, will miscarry. So um, there's all kinds of unanswered things, but there's explanations on being able to trust God. For some reason, this is, you know, I mean, it, it sounds kind of... Um, what word am I looking for? Um, where God is, you know, God just goes ahead and takes these children, you know, uh, to be to be with Him. That that a child that dies in the womb does not have to face the darkness and the fallenness of this world. I mean, there's all there's there's all kinds of um, ways to be able to try to give words of comfort, but um, I still find that they need to be they need to be the tags on to just being with folks. And helping them work through that. Yeah, and something that I've heard you say before that I think is really helpful is that it's okay if somebody's asking questions of why, which inevitably each of us are going to ask when we encounter different kinds of suffering. It's okay as a pastor to say, I don't know why the Lord did this. I don't know Mm. why this was his plan, but we know he's trustworthy. We know we can trust him. And one of the clearest ways we know we can trust him is because he sent his own son to suffer He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He suffered and he died and he lives so that we know that even though we experience suffering, he sympathizes with us. He, our Lord Jesus is risen and interceding for us in our grief. He's coming again to end our grief. Mm -hmm. And even though we don't get the answers to the why in this life, we know we can trust him. Yeah. Um, so that's a, we feel this impulse, I think, as pastors to feel like we need to be able to explain it. And sometimes yeah. there is no explanation, yeah, but, right. but we just point people to the good news about Jesus that 
that we can trust him. God has shown himself to be trustworthy even when we don't know why. I appreciate you bringing that up because that that is definitely true and a major piece to this is to grieve with people, but also, I mean, pastors have such a hard time saying, you know, I can't, I don't know, you know, I can't explain this. I don't know why my wife and I lost our child, but I see 15 years later, I mean, I see um, his hand of providence in so many ways. I mean, it's just, it's been such a beautiful thing to watch my wife be able to care so well and significantly for so many women. I mean, the last thing my, I mean, the last thing my wife ever does is minimize any loss like this. And, uh, and that's because she can just connect and relate to the pain so much. And I don't know that she can connect and relate to the pain of feeling very alone in it because her, her family was not helpful. Uh, my family was not helpful. They were the one, they, they kind of just took the, oh, you know, it's, this is uh, not that big a deal. Two months later, everybody forgets it even happened. She had a husband that did not care well for her. She was very alone in that. And so every time this comes up, I mean, God uses that broken part of our marriage in, in a healing way, I think. Uh, as she's able to just go and and care for folks and be able to acknowledge, I don't I don't know why this is, and yet oftentimes years later, God, like He does everything in our life, He uses it for good. He uses it as a way for us to be able to help people suffer in similar ways. When you suffer in a unique way, regardless of what it is, uh, God postures you to be able to care for others in a unique way, in a way that others cannot. Uh, finally, like, what does long-term care look like? Uh, so, you know, you have those initial conversations, but that doesn't mean that the grief stops for that couple. Uh, what does it look like pastorally? I would imagine the first thing to do is not to forget <laughs> to remember that grief, but like, what, what does some of the longer-term care look like for a couple who's experienced a miscarriage? Well, you mentioned the first one that's important, and that's to not forget two months later because everybody returns back to their normal lives, and so even if a church is good at rallying around them and bringing them meals for a month or two, uh, within a couple months, everybody's just kind of gone back. And so just having the pastors have it on their radar of the timetable. So you've got, you got a couple significant dates. You mean you've got um, the due date that you want to be mindful of. Um, and that couple is going to know what that, that due date is. Um, I think it's helpful to almost just approach a couple of people in the church as well to just say, hey, look, you know, will you keep this on your radar? Because most people are going to forget. And I think just them having a few touches each month leading up to that due date can be a great way to just remember they're not they're not forgotten. Um, so that's a really significant date to think about. Um, I think pastors in uh, leading in pastoral prayers and Talk and praying publicly, continue to pray for those couples six months later uh, is really important. That puts it on the radar of the church. I think one of the places we failed as pastors, there's been a few occasions where we've had pe- people who've had miscarriages. And I don't know, you can maybe push back on me on this, Josh, but at, at some point we've had so many that it, it, people almost become numb to it and like it feels pretty normal. And I think because of that, people f- don't feel the weightiness of it. Because it's it's one of those things that just keeps just keeps happening, and so because of that, we lost sight of some folks and did not care well and better, as well as we could have and should have. Just some folks uh, who yeah. have had loss. I think some of that comes down to like knowing your church too. Our church, uh, you know, at, at Auburn Hill Baptist Church, 
we have a lot of young families and we have a lot of couples who are coming to us and, and they're having you know children at, in early on in their marriage. There are some churches, though, that I can imagine who are out there who maybe don't have as many young families. And so maybe how, how would you help uh, a pastor think through if they're in a church with maybe just one or two young families who don't experience this very much, how can a pastor help like the rest of the congregation connect and help that couple or that family who goes through a miscarriage? If maybe, because yeah, I think we have made some mistakes here because we've had, you know, it's not uncommon in our church, but maybe it is rare in other churches who don't have as many young families. That's the case. I think you have to be really mindful as a pastor to teach on it. And let the church know this is a significant thing. That's what I missed. I went through it. I learned those lessons. The problem is I was just kind of assuming everybody else got those too when miscarriages started happening in our church. So I think that's a place I failed in the beginning is I was trying to care well for the couples. I, 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 these are in early years before we had other elders and things in our church. But the, um, I, I made mistakes in not putting this publicly before the church and teaching that this is a big deal. If you never go through this, this is significant. Um, a pastor who, who maybe isn't dealing with this a lot, um, it's an opportunity to make it a big deal. It's an opportunity to, to help a church rally around a couple and see the significance of this and give and an opportunity for the, the body of Christ to come around a couple who's who's grieving and, and dealing with a you know a very significant loss. I think you also have to um, I want to go back to though churches that do have a lot of families who might deal with this more because one of the things we dealt with we still we are still dealing with in the middle of is the due date is a big date. The other thing, ways places you want to be sensitive is, when other people start having children, and that couple has yet to have either had an, had another child or have gotten pregnant even again after that miscarriage, um, that is a really important place for a pastor to be sensitive. That's you got to be really mindful to be sensitive to it, or you just, you'll miss it uh, because those couples just kind of stay in the background. So we, I mean, it's kind of it feels like a it feels like a chess game sometimes, but but we at our members meetings is when we announce babies and everybody's all excited about it. And it's interesting, we've begun to ask the question, all right, who do we need to let know we're going to make this announcement? Even though it's supposed to be a surprise, we try to be sensitive to that couple that three months ago lost a baby and is not pregnant again uh, and is very discouraged and still struggling through that. Uh, So there is a pastoral care that really uh, has to come in play here. You're ministering to these couples who are not only dealing with their loss, but they're trying to be excited for these other couples. But to be sensitive and realize it's okay if it's hard to be excited for these other couples. I think it's easy for those people to be kind of condemning towards those couples. Oh, I know you've had a loss, but you should be happy with them. Well, okay. But that's easier said than done. And I think we need part of helping them grieve and find healing through that grief is to acknowledge, you know what? It's okay. It's okay if you're having trouble celebrating this now. Um, and, and just release them to be able to still grieve how they need to be. Yeah, I can think of few uh, few occasions that need such pastoral sensitivity and care uh, as somebody helping somebody go through a miscarriage. And um, so, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing like your own story and some of our own failings as pastors here. Uh, do you have any just final words of wisdom or encouragement to help pastors think through this? One thing comes to mind, and that's in the midst of... We've talked a lot about people who are pretty insensitive to people experiencing this loss. But there is another category. There's a category of especially 
other women who maybe do not have trouble getting pregnant and do not have trouble having children um, who feel guilty for have not having not gone through this. And, and by the way, I, 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 these are the people that, I mean, they're sweet, they're sensitive people to other people hurting. That's, that's a good thing. But don't miss the fact that there are actually some women who have trouble relating to these, these women who have lost. So we, you know, in our church, we have women who have had several children and no miscarriages. And then we have a few folks in our church who have had two and three miscarriages and have no children. So we have, we're in the middle of this dynamic, and there are women who are struggling in that way. And, and I think it's important in that way to, to also not be um, condemning in that, but to say, hey, you know what? I'm grateful you're that sensitive to th- these hurting people. But you know what? It's okay. You, you still can go and love them. They don't, they don't resent you because you have children and they don't. And if they do, that's not your problem. So there's two sides that the pastors need to be mindful to minister to in regard to women especially. Would you conclude by just praying that the Lord would give pastors wisdom and that the Lord would bring comfort to those grieving for miscarriages? Sure. Lord, thank you that you bless us in so many different ways and children are obviously that blessing. But Lord, we uh, we live in a fallen world, we know. And there's there's sin and there's suffering and and heartache and loss. <clears throat> so we pray that uh, for those in our church, for those in the churches that are of those listening and pastors who are listening, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, comfort those who are grieving over the loss of, of children. Some are grieving the loss of miscarriages. Some are grieving the loss of, of children, even children that have that have grown and uh, and have, they have had to bury their own adult children. Lord, whoever are grieving in this unique way of having to lose children we pray lord you would bring a great comfort give pastors wisdom and a sensitivity to them uh, to know how to care for them lord give pastors the emotional capacity to just go and weep with those who weep and to grieve with them and to be present with them we pray all this in jesus name amen amen thanks for listening to trench talk we'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us so to get in touch with us you can email us Brian at practicalshepherding.com, where you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. And at the website, you can find our blog, and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops, where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.